Alrighty, if you have your Bibles, again, we're live here, which is so exciting, Sunday morning, and uh, so wherever you are, just grab a Bible, get your iPhone out, and let's turn to John chapter 15 together. John chapter 15, and I'll be reading from verse 1. So John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Let's pray together as we come to God's word. So Lord, I thank you for this amazing text. We've read it so many times, we've studied it, we've memorized it. But Lord, as we begin this new year of 2021, let these words shape our followership of you, our discipleship of you. Challenge us, encourage us, rebuke us, and call us into the fruitful church you've appointed us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse 8 of that passage, it says this, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and show yourselves to be my disciples. And then we didn't read it, but later on in verse 16, Jesus says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to bear much fruit. That means God has chosen you and called you, appointed you to bear fruit, to bring Christ to the world, to be Jesus' hands and feet in our city, in our community, in the world around us. We are to bear the fruit of Jesus Christ in our city, to bring his justice, his peace, his mercy. This has been a challenging year, hasn't it? Of course it has, and it still is challenging in many ways. I know that many of us are going through personal crises. I sit with many of you who are going through relational trauma, divorce, or just relationship trauma and challenges, economic loss, career transitions. There's also obviously COVID. And we see the devastation right now that is pervasive across our city. The hospitals are full, the morgues are full, and we are seeing the tragedy unfold of the increase in this virus in our city. Many of you have been or are sick. Many of you have lost loved ones. We've also seen racial crisis this last year, as we've seen the disunity and the division in our society. And then, as Ash and we've been praying for, Ash was saying we've been praying for the political crisis in our country. In all of this, in all of these challenging moments, the call is n- could never be greater 
for the church to bear the fruit of Jesus Christ. That where there is darkness, we don't blame the darkness, we don't fear the darkness, but we remember that God has sent his Son and us as light into the darkness. There is no greater time, no greater call, no greater importance right now for the church of Jesus Christ to be Christ in all of these contexts. Now, just for the sake of clarity, and it's a shame that it does need to be clarified, but what is the fruit of Jesus? What is the fruit of the church of Jesus Christ? Let's remind ourselves that to be like Christ is the aim. To be his fruit is the aim. And let's remind ourselves, because actually our society is confused about what is the fruit of the church. And yet when we're called back to Jesus, when we're called back to his command, when we're called back to his teachings, we see that the fruit that we are to bear is to love one another, including our enemies. To be humble and serve each other, even in our leadership. To seek reconciliation and racial unity. To be peacemakers and unified. To bring both grace and truth, not one without the other to be merciful and forgive, to be generous and kind, to sacrifice and prefer others above ourselves, to be selfless and sacrificial. See, all of these are the characteristics of Jesus Christ. Many people have looked at the church and not seen that this last year. I'm so thankful that we have seen in our own church great fruitfulness of Jesus Christ. We just saw a film, Love Your Neighbor, showing the great generosity and mercy of our church as we reach out to the broken and lost of our city. And there's been countless times we've celebrated the fruit of Jesus Christ in our community. But there's also been times within our community and within the Church of America we've seen, actually, that isn't very much like Jesus Christ. And in this passage, we see that God knows that, he expects it, and therefore he has a plan which is to prune us, to to work on his church that we may be even more fruitful, that he would cut off the dead stuff and grow us into the church of Jesus Christ. So I want to ask three questions of us this morning, and I'm going to challenge you personally, I'm challenging me personally, challenging our church, and as we go out to also challenge those Christians around us to be, how are we cooperating with God to be fruitful this year? I'm going to ask you maybe to write down these three questions and to pray through them this week and to journal them. Simple but powerful questions that we can actually step into 2021 committed to being fruitful, Christ-likeness, and see the kingdom of God extend in power and love. These three questions are this. Where is God pruning me? Where is God pruning me? Secondly, where am I abiding? Where am I abiding? And thirdly, what is God telling me to do? These three questions cause us to get in line with how God is working in our lives to bring out his fruitfulness. So firstly, where is God pruning? In verse 2, he says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it would be even more fruitful. The Father sees so much potential in you, in our church, in his church across America and across the world, that he's committed to not settling for mediocrity, but pruning and cutting that we may be even more fruitful. The Father 
has got great ambitions for you and his church to be like Christ in this world. That's our calling. That's why we've been sent. So first of all, he cuts, he gets out the shears and he cuts off the dead branches in us that aren't bearing fruit, that distract us away from the real fruitfulness of the kingdom of God. And then he prunes back even some things that are fruitful, he prunes it back. Now this language is quite shocking because it's not delicate language. It's not he cuddles the branches that are bearing no fruit. It's not he kind of nurtures the branches that are bearing fruit. No, he prunes them. He gets out the shears and it's a painful cutting. And what we see is that God will use the painful circumstances of our life, the painful circumstances of this last year, He doesn't bring them. He's not the author of suffering, but he will use them to prune us, to cut us, to cut us back, to cut off the dead things. Where is God taking the shears to your life? Maybe there's some dead areas. He goes, look, Gare, Joe, Sarah, I want you to cut these off in your life. I'm trying to get rid of this. Maybe it's habits that are destroying you and others. Maybe it's addictions or to get rid of some debt or maybe some toxic relationships you're in. There are dead areas where he goes, look, for fruitfulness, I want to work with you to cut that off. COVID has been a season of involuntary cutting off everything, hasn't it? You know, we've had to pull back and lots of things have been cut off. But as we maybe emerge in the summer or sooner or whatever it is, it may be an opportunity for God to say, I don't want that back in your life. That actually that was a good thing to cut off. Not to rush back to normal, but actually to recognize that God was using COVID even to cut things off. I was reading an article this week by Kerry Newhoff online and uh, he said this, the good news about the current disruption is that everything is broken. And now as we move forward, you only need to keep what's still working. You didn't have to change, the pandemic did it for you. On the other side of the pandemic, keep the things you would keep if you were starting over. And I think in many ways that's what pruning has been, God is doing in COVID, that he's, he's cut off so much. And maybe it's time to sit with the Lord and say, Lord, actually, do I want to restart that? Actually, is your life in that? Is your blessing in that? Or was that a really beautiful moment where involuntarily you cut it off? Maybe it's not only the dead stuff he's wanting to cut off, but he's pruning even those areas of your life and our church that were fruitful. Not because he was dissatisfied with what the fruitfulness was, but he actually sees there could be even more fruit if he prunes. This is the shocking truth of this passage of Jesus' teaching that pruning is the reward for fruitfulness. You know, sometimes we think, great, that's job done. We're being fruitful. Let's go to the areas that have no fruit. But Jesus says, but even where we're fruitful, sometimes he prunes. It's surprising, confusing, because you think, hang on a minute, God, what, what are you doing? This was going so well. You know, I look at some of the ministries of our church. I was so excited. At the end of, 20, tw- end of 2019, do you remember end of 2019, the New Year's Eve parties? The 2020 was about to hit us. The, you know, Perfect Vision 2020. We had at our house the Roaring Twenties party. You know, we're going to celebrate. We're going to dance our way through 2020 like we did in the Roaring Twenties. We had no idea that pruning was coming. I had no idea that my... My beloved Alpha ministry was going to go absolutely kind of belly up. 
I had no idea that we were, weren't able to do the plans that we were going to do for our church in many ways. I had no idea that my kids, my wife and I, were going to go through the challenges that we went through just in lockdown in this year. But in all of this, God is using the circumstances to prune us, to prune us in our marriage, to prune us in our parenting, to prune us in our ministries, to prune us that we may be even more fruitful. But it begins with cutting back. This has been a year of pruning for me as a husband, as a father, as a man, as a pastor, as a leader. God has used all these circumstances to highlight areas in my life where he said, I actually do want to prune this. I want to get rid of that little twig or that little thing. I want to actually cut you back that you may go deeper into me and emerge a healthier, more Christ-like leader, father, husband, brother. And he's also pruning our church, isn't he? That I love God's church, and we've seen great fruit in Vintage Church over the nine years since we've been going. But he's also pruning us. There's been areas in our own church life where, as Ash and I have got together with some of the staff and have gone, Ash, I think God's pruning us here. We want to cooperate. And I'm inviting you this week to go before the Lord and say, Lord, where are you pruning me? Not that I get bitter, not that I kind of numb out that pruning process by watching Netflix and eating more dessert on the couch. You know, no. We have to cooperate with his pruning to actually go, where are you pruning? Where are you cutting back that I may cooperate with you? And say, Lord, have your way. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Secondly, we are not just to ask the question, where are you pruning me? But where am I abiding? This is the great challenge of Jesus in this passage. He says, I am the true vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Fruitfulness is not the product of New Year's resolutions. Fruitfulness is the product of abiding in Jesus. Fruitfulness is the product of abiding in Jesus. You see, where you abide in life determines the fruit of your life. We all abide somewhere. We all want to go somewhere for, to feel the great acceptance, to feel significance, to feel that we have an identity, to feel the peace, to feel the fruitfulness. We, we go somewhere to have meaning and purpose in life. And the most popular places we go, the most popular places we abide are two things, right? Performance and popularity. We will rush to performance or we'll rush to popularity and go, if I just get these things, then I will be fruitful. I'll be significant. I'll have value. I'll have meaning. I'll have security. I'll have all the things that my heart is longing for. I know certainly I get pulled into these places of abiding. That's what the world says. If you, if you perform well or if you're popular, then you will have the life that you're dreaming of. But the problem is, when we abide in these two areas, we don't have the life we're dreaming of. And actually, the fruit we bear is fruit, but it's toxic fruit. And it's far from the fruit that Jesus has for us. 
abiding in performance and popularity. So you might achieve a lot that way, or you might get super skinny that way because you're so afraid of what people think of you, or you might you know, be super liked because you're putting on the fake face, but beneath the surface successes, there's toxicity underneath. The fruit of putting your place of rest in performance and, I, and popularity is a life of insecurity. Drivenness. You're never at peace. You can never be your true self. You get burnt out. You're fake. Your relationships are utilitarian. You're busy. You're exhausted. You're stressed. Does any of this sound familiar? Because we're abiding in performance and popularity. That's what everything in this world invites you to do. And it's destroying us on the inside. It's even sometimes destroying our church. Jesus says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. See, the true fruit is to abide in Jesus, to find your performance and your popularity in him. It's not that significance and value and worth is, is not God's desire for you. No. He says, I want you to have life and life to the full. I want you to know significance. I've created you for meaning and purpose. I want you to have a rock-solid identity that you celebrate and dance around the room being free to be who you are. But you find that by finding your performance and popularity in what Jesus gives you, not what you try and take elsewhere. When you find that he's accepted you just the way you are, where he has loved you so much that he's died for you, when he's created a unique purpose for you, when you have value because you're a child of God, when you're forgiven so your past is wiped away, you don't have to find the performance to tame your shame anymore. See, your primary task, Jesus says this year, is to remain in his love for you. To remain in his acceptance of you to remain in his grace and forgiveness of you. Sadly, many people think Christianity is to abide in our love for Jesus, is to abide in how well we do for Jesus. And again, the fruit of this is toxic because we'll never love him the way he loves us. We'll never perform. That's the point. Actually, Jesus said, don't remain in your love for me. Remain in my love for you which is unconditional, which is never-ending, which doesn't go up and down. See, when you are secure in Jesus, when you are at peace with your identity in Jesus, you start to bear the fruit of security, being your true self no matter what others say, generosity because you know he's got your back, forgiveness of others because you've been forgiven. You start to see the fruit of Christ come out, not through white-knuckling it and obedience, but because he turns you into that type of person. I'm a loving person because I'm loved. I'm a forgiving person because I've forgiven. I'm not a fearful person because I'm rooted in an unshakable kingdom of God. Where are we abiding this year? I just want to confess, this is a daily challenge for me. It may be for you, but every day, if I'm not careful, my gravitational pull is to find my joy in performance and popularity. 
And I'm like, Paul, he says, I've got to beat my flesh. I've got to make sure I wake up every day and says, I am Jesus's. I'm not anyone else's. I am beloved no matter what other people say. And he's created me to be me, not try and be a fake someone else. And my performance is the performance that Jesus has given to me, not a striving for something else. This year, where are you abiding? Today, where are you abiding? Take time with the Holy Spirit to go, gosh, have I put down some roots in popularity and performance that will just kill me and kill those around me? Or am I truly abiding, resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ? And then finally, what is God telling you to do? What is God telling you to do? What is God instructing you to do? Let me ratchet it up even more. What is God commanding you to do? Now, all of this language is like um, kind of nails on a chalkboard in our don't tell me what to do culture. But you can't move away from this passage without realizing that Jesus expects to give us commands and he expects us to obey him. See, in 15.9, he says, if you keep my commands, you remain in my love, just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. This is Shocking and surprising language because we don't talk about it much in the church, but it's one of the keys to fruitfulness. See, we love the language of Jesus when he talks about he loves us, he calls us friends, he sacrifices his life for us, he chose us, he is working out his fruitfulness in his life. We are to rest in his finished love. We love all that language. This is amazing. But if you read this full passage, we didn't read the full passage, we didn't have time, but he also talks about this relationship of vine and branch is one of authority, is one of obedience. Where he says, I call you friends, but he also said, look, I'm also your king. <laughs> I'm your Lord. I am your authority. That actually, this isn't about if you feel like it, obey me. As Christians, we are followers of a king who gives us commands. Now, before you go, this sounds a horrible deal because anyone who gives us commands we feel is out to ruin our lives, right? We feel that anybody who has authority over us is going to abuse that authority and steal what we have for their own selfish gains. But if you think about it, actually, that's not always the case in life. There are sometimes authority figures who we love because they actually pour their life into us to make us thrive in who we are created to be. Think of a sports coach to his team. He wants the success of the team. Think of a piano teacher to a student, a teacher to a pupil, a doctor to her patient. See, all of these authority figures, we come under, don't we, and go, we know that your best interest is for us. We know that actually you're going to give us medication you tell us to take, scales you tell us to practice, drills you tell us to work on in our own time, and we are to obey you if we actually want to receive the benefit of your coaching, the benefit of your, tu of your tutelage, the benefit of your skills. See, this is the context in which we understand that Jesus is the author of life. He's the great physician. He is the great creator of all goodness and love and mercy and peace. He's the one who says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I want to give you rest. He's the one who says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. He's the one who said, look, I am the author of your destiny and your creation. I created you for joy. Now, 
in this relationship of following me, there's going to be times where I command you to do stuff. Not out of selfish gain, but selfless love for you. To see you enter into all that I've created you to have. See, this begins, of course, with trust, doesn't it? Do I trust Jesus to obey his commands, even when I don't feel like it? Just, just a little side point. If you, only, if you only do what Jesus tells you to do when you agree with him, it's not obedience, it's agreement. Obedience comes into play when you don't like it. That's obedience. Otherwise, you remain boss and go, if I agree with Jesus, I'll do it. But what about when you don't agree? Well, that's when you really decide, am I following him as my king or as my consultant? But he's the one who you can trust to obey. He died for you. He rescued you. He went to the cross for you. He created you. And I want to invite us this year, not only to go, where are you pruning me? Not only to say, okay, where am I abiding? But there's going to be times in your life where the Holy Spirit is going to go, yeah, I want you to do this. I want you to love your enemy. You ain't going to feel great doing it. But I want you to love your enemy. I want you to pray for those who persecute you. I want you to give radically generous to the ones who take from you. I want you to look out for people who do nothing for you. I want you to forgive even though they don't want to be forgiven. I want you to give sacrificially when it's going to hurt you and you're going to have to compromise. Do you see, these are the teachings of Jesus. And this year, I want to remind us that not all the time are they going to feel great. But they are going to be good because we follow a good shepherd, a good king who's looking at his church and going, for the sake of the world, for the sake of the lost, for the glory of my Father, obey my commands. So as we conclude now, as we come into 2021, I wonder if you can take time this week to look at these three questions. Where are you pruning me? Where am I abiding? And what are you telling me to do, commanding me to do? And in humility, I'll say, yes, Lord, and I'll do that. I'd like to pray for us now. I'd like to pray for me. I'd like to pray for you, because these are challenging questions. But remember, this is all because he loves us and is calling us to be fruitful. And his kingdom comes in our lives, in our church, and in this world. So let's pray together. So, Father, we come before you now knowing that you are the vine dresser. You are the one who prunes your church, prunes us. Lord, there are areas in my life which are dead. And, Lord, I say, help me cut that off. There are areas which are fruitful, but I know you've been pruning back. And help me, Lord. Help me dig into you even more that that area of my life, those relationships or my job or my hopes, my ambitions, Lord, that you've pruned them, but I want more life there. I want more of you there. Lord, reveal right now where I'm abiding. Have I, have I been caught looking in popularity and performance for all the deep needs of my life? 
And Lord, I'm, I'm sorry, and I come back to you, and I say, I, I, I'm going to abide in you. And finally, we pray the courageous prayer, Lord, to show us what you want us to do. Tell us where you want us to go. How we love. That we may be the church of Jesus Christ in this moment and in this season. In your name, amen. Let's worship together.